Welcome to the weekly podcast of Dr. Craig Lauderback. It's our prayer that your relationship with Jesus Christ will be strengthened through this broadcast. Thank you from everyone here at Craig Lauderback Ministries and enjoy the message. Hey, good morning to everyone who's worshiping online. We're thrilled that you're with us today. You know, as the team was leading us in worship, God put a word on my heart. And he said this, he said, tell the people to remove the limitations. Remove the limitations on their worship. Remove the limitations on their involvement. Remove the limitations on how they view me. See, I believe with all of my heart that God wants to move the church, believers, beyond surviving And he wants us to take on the mindset of conquering. Sometimes I believe we become so overwhelmed because our focus is on what the enemy is bringing against us. And I'm not saying that's not real. But when we become so absorbed by the attack that's coming against us, we go into survival mode. And when we go into survival mode, it's like, Lord, help me. Absolutely. But what God wants us to do, he says, I've already helped you come out of the cave. Remember Elijah when he was depressed, he was fearful. He went into hiding because of the threats of Jezebel who wanted his head because of how he had challenged the prophets of Baal and Asherah, took their heads off, tore down their altars, fire from heaven fell, and the rain of God came. And then she wanted his life because Elijah made her look bad. Really, God made her look bad. But when Elijah began to listen to the wrong voice and the threats reached his ears from Jezebel, he wanted to survival mode. And that's the worst thing he could have done and it's the worst thing that we can do as believers. Stop surviving and start conquering, says the Lord. We cry and say, Lord, help, I'm just so overwhelmed. God says, get out of the foxhole and overwhelm the enemy. Hit him with the Word of God. Hit him with Holy Ghost faith. Pray in the Spirit. Exercise your prayer language. Remove the limitations. Sometimes I think when we read the portion of Scripture that says that childlike faith, be like a child when we come to the Lord. And that's true. A child takes his parents at their word. But a child also has apprehensions, don't they? A child also has fears that try to plague them, and his parents were there to teach him. Reminds me of a story of a mother who asked her seven-year-old son to go onto the porch of the back of the kitchen and fetch the broom and bring it to the mother who was cleaning up in the kitchen. The little boy responded with hesitancy, and he said, Mommy, I don't want to go out there. It's dark. How many of you remember being scared of the dark when you were little? That's what a child experiences. We shouldn't be like that as adults. Well, the mother smiled and she said to her son, you don't have to be afraid of the dark. Jesus is there. He'll protect you. Well, the little boy, he he was hesitant, looked at his mother real hard. And after a moment of silence, he asked, are you sure he's out there? And the mother replied, son, yes, I am sure He's everywhere and always ready to help when you need him. Well, the little boy then lifted his head up, marched through the kitchen to the slider door where the porch was, slid it open just a little bit, 
And he said, Jesus, if you're in there, could you please hand me the broom? <clears throat> How many times are we like that? Yes, childlike faith takes the Lord at his word. But when we mature into men and women of God, God says, put away that childish mindset. You're a man of God now. You're a woman of God now. You have authority. You have authority. I'm with you. My hand is upon you. You see, sometimes we're like this little boy when it comes to trusting God. As believers, we can have a tendency at times to forget. Forgetting what? Forgetting that we are, title of my message, greater than. Do you hear me? We're greater than. Greater than what? That's what we're going to look at. What am I saying? Let's look at how the Cambridge English Dictionary defines greater than. It defines it this way. An inequality used to compare two quantities. It is used in cases where the first quantity is larger than the second quantity. When it's used grammatically, it's used as an adjective, doing what? Describing a noun. When it's used mathematically, it's used as a symbol denoting value. Ten is greater than five. And when it's applied spiritually, it reveals authority. Jesus is greater than the devil and the entire kingdom of darkness. How many believe that? Amen. Come on, move the limitations, remove them. How many believe that? Amen. Until we get to that place where we're willing, not only in action, but verbally every aspect of our lives, until we come to that place where we remove all limitations off of the Lord. Oh, who can limit God? We can he is subject to our will. I will allow you in, Lord. I will not allow you. Scripture says in Ephesians, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? But by denying the will of God in your life. We can either unleash him or we can constrain him. How many want to unleash the Holy Spirit, the power of the Godhead? in your life, in your circumstances. And for God to bring that same anointing on you where it's not about existing and surviving every day, but then waking up and saying, Lord, use me this day. Lord, use me as a voice in the darkness. Bring people into my life where I can make a difference. Yesterday, Cindy and I stopped by Starbucks and we got ourselves, I got a cappuccino with whipped cream. Whipped cream has hardly any sugar, no carbs. So it is my cheat delight. Cindy also got her coffee. And, and then when we were waiting, you know, for the barista to, to have it presented, put on the counter and call our name, that it was there for us to take away, there was this guy walking all around. Obviously, I could tell that, that he had special needs, that there were issues with him mentally, emotionally, mental illness. And he kept walking. Then he came up to me, and he said, I'm having a bad day. So I just thought to myself, well, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Well, go have a bad day over there. How many of us maybe have thought that? I knew the Lord wanted me to speak into this man. Cindy sat down. He came over. He was looking at her. And I said to Cindy, Cindy, he told me he's having a bad day today. Cindy looked at me, and then they called our name. We got our coffees. We walked back over to the man, and I said to him, I said, Father, in Jesus' name, 
whatever is disrupting his life, I speak a good day and many good days into his life in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. He looked at me and I said, now you're going to have a good day. And I walked out with Cindy. You see, that was not a survivor spirit. How many of us, when we're confronted with situations like that, get away? You know, we don't have time. We're in a hurry. When God says, if we have a conquering spirit, if we have a warrior spirit, if we're not just surviving from day to day, but looking for opportunities to serve the Lord and to be His voice, to be His hand outstretched from day to day, then we move beyond just existing and we live for a purpose. We live for a reason. The church has got to move beyond just surviving. It's time to be an overcomer. How many believe that? I said, how many really believe that? Give them praise. We see this mindset in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, when the apostle says, you are of God, little children. See, he was encouraging those young in the faith. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is what? Greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the one who fulfills every promise of God's holy word, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now the Apostle John, he was writing this epistle in the city of Ephesus. It took place around 95 to 110 A.D. What was taking place was false teachers were attacking church doctrine, attacking the base, basics by denying the incarnation of Jesus Christ. He was not God incarnate. It seemed like it was a God, but he was not God incarnate, denying the incarnation of Jesus and also his bodily resurrection. Listen to me. To deny the incarnation and the resurrection is to deny salvation and eternal life. These false teachers knew that. Satan knew that. That's why he was propagating these lies through this group of people. And so John was there to set the record straight. Amen? And this is what motivated him to write this epistle. Right? He wanted Christians just like you and I. Then and for the ages yet to come until the return of Jesus. He wanted believers to know the adversary. Do you hear me? It's important. If you're going to be an overcomer, if you're really going to embrace and take on a warrior spirit, then you have to know the adversary. When you take and you look at history, history is filled with atrocities committed against humanity. In fact, many times people ask the question when they see it happening in real time as well as when they read back in history, look at the Holocaust. And now for people to deny that there ever was a Holocaust? People ask themselves, why would anyone do such a thing? The fact remains, apart from Almighty God, all evil is possible. When you remove God from the equation, all evil is capable and possible. When the rapture of the church takes place, and it will, and when the church is removed in the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit who lives within the church, and when we are taken for that seven-year marriage feast of the Lamb, that restraining power of the Holy Spirit, when that power is removed, literally, it will be the seven years of Jacob's trouble. All hell will be unleashed 
upon the earth. Anything is possible when you remove God from the equation. When you look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it shows us the source behind the battle, the source behind the evil. Paul says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You know, God is waiting for the church, His church, believers, Christians, right now to come to that moment where they recognize and they realize that all of the evil, all of the division, all of the hatred is never going to be resolved and solved through politics or through the wisdom of man. It's not going to happen. You see, when there's a spiritual darkness that brings spiritual blinders over the hearts and minds of individuals, even the simple things become complicated. Why? Because people are blinded. And when we understand that there's someone who is blinding the eyes of these individuals, look at Saul of Tarsus, perfect example. Here he was persecuting the church, and he was a religious leader, trained in the law of Moses, the Torah. He should have recognized Jesus as Messiah. But it wasn't until he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, Jesus revealed himself. No one could convince Saul of Tarsus. God had to open his eyes. And isn't it amazing? He was blinded. And then three days later, when Ananias came and prayed for him, blinders fell like scales from his eyes. And then Paul, his name changed to, was able to see. And that's what we need to understand as believers. We have got to pray. We have got to intercede. We've got to believe. We've got to speak into the spiritual atmosphere for God to open the eyes of the world. You'll never debate the devil successfully. You can't debate. He's unreasonable. He is sold on his lies. He's pathologically a liar. He believes his own lies. That's why when other people are blinded by, by his lies and his words and his schemes, they embrace it, hook, line, and sinker. And it takes them down and draws them in to captivity and slavery. The only one who can break this, the only one who can remove the blinder is Almighty God, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's a spiritual battle that we're facing. It's in the atmosphere. You can't see this adversary. Oh, but hear me strong, hear me well. He's there. He is there. There's an adversary. That's why Paul says, you know, your weapons of warfare, they're not carnal. You can't duke it out with the devil. You can't slap him upside the face. You can't drop a bomb on his kingdom. It's unseen. Real victory, not from survivors, but those who are conquerors. Those who have embraced, I'm a warrior for the cause of Jesus Christ. They are the ones, through the words that they speak, says in Revelation, they overcame by what? The blood of the Lamb. The blood breaks every stronghold of hell. By the blood of the Lamb and the Word, meaning the Word of God, that becomes our testimony, our proclamation. Release the Word in prayer over the strongholds, over the people you know and love who are running from God, over those stricken with sickness and disease. Speak the Word. Not good intentions, not your emotion, not that the power of God won't affect us emotionally. Glory to God. 
when God hits me, he affects me emotionally, and sometimes I get in motion. Hallelujah. Because how can you experience the presence of God and not be emotionally interrupted as well? But the bottom line is there has to be substance, content, behind the emotion. And that's the Word of God that never changes. Satan hates the Word of God. Can't stand against the Word of God. It defeats him every time. That's why Jesus took and used the Word of God in the wilderness to defeat the enemy. He understood. He knew his adversary. And if we're really going to experience the greater than factor in our lives, then you've got to understand who your adversary is, and there's no other resource that will bring him down and dissolve those strongholds other than the weapons of the warfare that God has issued to every single blood-washed, born-again Christian. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Know your adversary. Sometimes we feel like people are the problem. People are not the problem, but rather the source behind the people that is blinding them. As I said, there is an unseen kingdom warring against humanity. Paul breaks them into different levels. He calls them principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness. Four levels of evil authority in the unseen kingdom world. Human ability is not. And it's good to learn it now rather than later. Amen. You'll save yourself a lot of heartache and pain. Human ability is not enough to defeat Satan's kingdom. Here's a great statement. Write it down. Supernatural adversity demands a supernatural response. Did you hear me? Supernatural adversity demands a supernatural response. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. He says, for the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down what? Strongholds. You know what strongholds are in the Greek? They're defined as mindsets. People become enslaved, ensnared in their mind. It's a way of thinking. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing. That means the spiritual wickedness sitting in high places. Pulling down those lies, exposing them. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Isn't that what Satan did to Eve in the garden? He replaced his own word over God's word. Eve said, I'm not supposed to eat that fruit. The day I do, I'll die. And what did the serpent do? You won't die. In fact, God knows the day you eat of that fruit, you'll be like him. That's pride. I'll be like God. I'll be higher than him. The very thing that brought Satan out of heaven cost him his downfall to earth. Pride, wanting to usurp the throne of God, is the same lie he's been using against generation to generation to generation in order to bring them down with him as well. Listen to me. Breakthrough begins with knowing your adversary. And then it continues. Here's one that's going to startle you a bit. By knowing you. Did you hear me? If you really want to understand and tap into the greater than factor, you need to know your adversary, but you also need to know you. Until you face yourself, you'll never be ready to face the enemy. What are you saying, Pastor Craig? I love what Albert Einstein said. Brilliant man. He said the following regarding adversity. 
Adversity introduces a man to himself. What are you saying? You don't know who you are until you're really squeezed. Whatever's inside comes out. I'm so excited for the warmer weather that's coming. I love to barbecue. Burgers and dogs on the grill. Now, once you prepare it, you put it on your bun, or if you eat it without the bread, what do you do? You add the toppings. Finally, if you're a ketchup lover, you grab that tube of ketchup, that bottle of ketchup, and you squeeze. And because you squeeze, what's on the inside of that bottle comes out. Same thing with mustard. If you squeeze a bottle of mustard, what comes out? Mustard. And when adversity squeezes us, if there's anything that's not like Jesus inside, it'll be exposed. It'll come out. Not to embarrass us, not to hurt us, not to shame us, but to help us see ourselves. Areas that we need to surrender to the Lord so we can become more like Jesus. Knowing who we are. Look at Joseph. 13 years of adversity. And that is what introduced Joseph to himself. As a 17-year-old, he was sold into slavery. What began with a dream, the sun, the moon, the stars, shared with his father, his brothers. The father took note and he hid these things in his heart, but still he was skeptical. But the brothers, they were jealous. He already had the coat of many colors. And now here, the youngest, he's going to rule and reign and we're going to submit to him. And so he sold into slavery because of jealousy. He went from a dream, which then escalated to a nightmare. Satan was determined. You see, you got to understand why people do certain things that are evil against us. Satan wants to stop the dream of God. And he does that by creating his own narrative and his own dream, which is really a nightmare, to overpower those that have the hand of God upon them. Satan wanted to stop the dream that was given for Joseph's life. That's why he was sold into slavery by his, by his brothers and then unjustly accused of sexual misconduct by Potiphar's wife. He was forgotten eventually. Thirteen years he was in slavery. Eventually he was forgotten by men. But aren't you glad God never forgets us? Oh, pastor, I don't know about that. I feel like God has forgotten me. Well, then you're speaking contrary to the Word of God. Are you going to believe your own emotion, or are you going to believe the Word of God? Remember, Revelation, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of, word of their testimony. You've got to lock in and hold fast. Bulldog faith to the Word of God. The Word of God will pull you through to the blessing of God. Thirteen years later, what happened? This young man who had a dream, thought it had died. Same young man who during his time in prison interpreted two dreams. Now Pharaoh had a dream. Then one of the individuals, you know the story, he remembered the interpretation Joseph provided for him, the cupbearer. Tells Pharaoh, Pharaoh has Joseph summoned. And then you see this young man now 17, now at the age of 30, 13 years later. Pharaoh says to him, it's been said of you that you can interpret dreams. In fact, let me read Genesis 41, verses 15, 16. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, 
And no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And look at Joseph's response. Verse 16. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. You see, during those 13 years of adversity, Joseph was introduced to himself. So that finally this young man at the age of 17 who had to deal with the pride of youth now was 30 years of age, which no coincidence matches when the ministry of Jesus began in the New Testament, was no longer full of himself, no longer had that weakness of pride. But he said, I cannot do it, but God will. In other words, Joseph was saying, Pharaoh, I can't do anything because if I could, I would have gotten out of your prison a long time ago. I would have never allowed this slavery to continue this long. I can't do anything. The only one who can make the difference, provide what we need and what we desire, is God. In regards to this prison, he's also my only way of escape. But if this is as good as it gets, I will honor my God all the days of my life, even in a prison. That was a man who came face to face with himself. And it was that moment that positioned Joseph for freedom. You see, when we realize we can, we position ourselves so God can. How many want God to work in your circumstances? How many want God to use you and make a difference in the lives of others. Remember, we've got to move beyond ourselves. We've got to move beyond surviving. And now we're active. What is your ministry? What are you doing? Not only in the church, outside. Are you ready? Are you instant, in season? And even when it's out of season, inconvenient. Are you ready to allow yourself to speak on behalf of the God who brought you such a great salvation? That's when revival, true revival, will happen. Sometimes we're so busy... We don't forget, God says, extend an invitation for those you know to come and worship with you. To come and encounter Jesus at the church you worship and encounter me at. You know, when you look at all of the great revivals that have happened throughout history, from the day of Pentecost all the way up to now, it's always been through people touching people. Oh, you can have a great service, you can have a great program, you can have the best of the best, Right? But bottom line is, that's not going to enlarge the kingdom of God. We should give our best, I believe, in a spirit of excellence. But what really grows the kingdom of God is when people start sharing their faith or inviting other people to come and encounter Jesus the way they have. Those of you who may have seen the movie, The Jesus Revolution, I got saved during that. I was in one of the rock bands that were prevalent during that time in the mid-70s, touring all throughout North America and Canada. And the one thing about that whole move of God, you'll find is when people were touched, they shared their faith. When's the last time you shared your faith? Those of you worshiping online, when's the last time you shared your faith? If you were interrupted in the supermarket, in a Starbucks or anywhere, would you take the time to listen and give them Jesus? That is when we have gone beyond surviving. It's all about me, like Elijah in the cave, woe is me. And we have embraced that mindset of a warrior, that I am a messenger of God. I am one who's been sent 
to give what God has given to me to someone else. And when we do that, heaven is enlarged. And then when we have more of heaven on earth, the atmosphere literally changes. When you move from one, one of us can put a thousand to flight. I am so happy for that verse in Scripture. But it also says two of us can send the legions fleeing. When two or three, Jesus said, gather in my name, I'm there. God wants the multitudes to glorify his name. God wants the multitudes to worship and praise and to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. God wants his people to sing with all of their heart, on key or off key. God says, don't let anything hinder your worship and your praise of me. Hallelujah. That happens when we understand the greater than principle. Are you with me? Are you hearing this? Time's running out. Everybody lives like they have forever. You don't have forever. If you live a normal lifespan, you don't have forever. It's temporal on this earth, right? Three score and ten. Four score according to our strength. My mother has blown that out of the water at nearly 95 years of age. So there are exceptions. But you're not going to live forever. You're not going to find a fountain of youth in the natural. Our eternity is with the Lord. We need to start living like that. Be so heavenly minded that we become earthly good. I don't know who invented the idiom, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. How could you be no earthly good when your eyes are fixed on heaven? You are the remedy. You are the answer for the earth. Amen? Get involved. Get excited. Don't be timid anymore. I know some of us are more outgoing than others. I get that. God makes us specifically for a purpose and a reason. But don't allow the analysis of someone else to determine how effective you may or may not be. Who lives in you as a Christian? The Holy Spirit. That means you're effective. Because greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Amen? imperative that we understand the plans of God, the purposes of God. Hallelujah. Without the Lord in our lives, we're powerless. That's why a lot of people fail. They know the Lord, but they're not really walking with the Lord the way they should. They love Jesus. But I always say this way, and I pray this prayer all the time for my life. I said, Lord, I love you, but may I always be in love with you. It's a difference. You love your wife, you love your husband, but are you in love with your wife and with your husband? Are you in love? When you're in love with him, he can do no wrong. Obviously, we know he can do no wrong, right? But there's no hesitation regarding obedience. Ask God, Lord, help me to love you more. I want to be in love with you. That will position anyone who has that kind of heart and mindset to embrace and partake in that greater than factor. Hallelujah. People fail to overcome their demons because they're fighting alone. They're not drawing on the Holy Spirit, the greater than who is in you. I've got this, Lord. No, you don't. Yeah, I've got this. No, you don't. I've got this. All right, I'm here when you come to your senses. We've all been guilty of that. When we fight without the Lord, we fight alone. 
And then we wonder, Lord, and this is where Satan brings in the blame game. God, you didn't answer my prayers. Lord, you knew how much this meant to me. You didn't answer my prayers. Now, God says, no, I I was ready to answer your prayers, but you messed things up because you thought you would take control rather than allowing me to take control. We fail to overcome our demons because we fight alone. And then what happens? It allows self-confidence to take the place of God-confidence. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's God-confidence. Amen? Hallelujah. Socrates, he had a great statement about self-revelation. He said, to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. When we get to that place, as I mentioned earlier, like Joseph, we realize we can't, but God can. Then all of that self-confidence goes out the window and say, Lord, my confidence is in you and you alone. See, when we know our limitation, we know ourselves, and we are limited. God's not, but we are. And knowing our limitations will always lead us to knowing God, my closing point. Knowing God will lead you from weakness to strength. How many want to take that journey? You want a journey from weakness to strength. Here are a few examples of this in Scripture. Moses went from being an exiled murderer to leading a nation because he came to know himself and then encountered God. Gideon went from hiding and threshing wheat in a wine press to commanding an army in great victory. And Peter went from denying Christ to dying for Christ. He understood. He had limitations. All because each of these men came to know God. Nothing can separate, nothing can divide, or keep us from the overwhelming presence of God. David said, if I'm in heaven, you're there. If I'm on earth, you're there. Even if I make my bed in hell, you're there. You're there. The overwhelming presence of God. This is why the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He doesn't say I can do all things. So many people will quote that verse and, and leave the most pertinent part out. You can't do all things. You can't do anything. But through Christ, you can do all things. All things, guess what? It's everything. That God within us empowers us to be greater than the adversity around us. I know I positioned that last night in my message as the world, but honestly, the adversity that's around us can be overcome because of the God who is within us. He who is in you is greater. Amen? God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. In closing, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he lives within you. Did you hear me? The creator of the heavens and of the earth, he lives within you. Hear the word of the Lord. The promise of 1 John 4, 4, it's not for some, but it's for all believers. Anyone that will call upon the name of the Lord, he who is in you is greater than, everybody say greater than. 
He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Because he is, you are greater than. Amen? God proclaims himself, himself as I am. Our response is, he is. And that's what positions us to encounter the greater than factor. Praise the Lord. So what are my words? Know your adversary. Stop fighting against a supernatural adversary with natural reasoning and resources. You need God. Know your adversary. Know yourself. Know you can't do it, but the God in you can. He'll do it in you and through you. And then know God. Paul said, oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And look at that man of God. He shook the earth. Wrote over half of our New Testament. We are what we are today because he surrendered himself and allowed God to flow in him and through him. And the words God gave him are still impacting the world, still impacting the nations. Let me ask this question in closing. How many of you are ready for a greater than life? Are you really ready for it? And stop surviving and start conquering. Stop living like a child and grow up, become a man of God. Become a woman of God. That will position all of us for a greater than. Last week, I preached and spoke on what it means to draw near. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Get hungry. Get thirsty. I shared a statistic last week that said the average attendance in churches across America is now 1.5 times a month. One and a half times every 30, 31 days, people come through a church door. And they wonder why they struggle. Lay down the 1.5 commitment and embrace the greater than dynamic. Be hungry. Be thirsty. Get serious about your faith. Share your faith. Oh, I'm not good. I... God doesn't ask you to be a theologian. He just wants you to be a mouthpiece. If you can cheer for your favorite sports team, you can cheer and talk about Jesus. Amen? Don't let the devil intimidate you. You know why he tries to intimidate you and me and others? Because he's intimidated by us. He knows what we're capable of, so he wants to hide that from us so that we will believe his lies of trepidation and intimidation above the promise of who we are in Christ. Hallelujah. How many really, 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 really want to be a voice for Jesus? How many? Wave me down. And my response is, it's simple. Just start doing it. Be his voice. Take that step. First time, the enemy will hammer you and try to keep you from taking that step. But if the devil says stand up, then you want to sit down. If he says run, then you walk. Right? If he says go here, then you go there. The devil can't tell the truth. He is the father of lies. And if he tells you you can't speak, then you can rest assured the opposite is true. Why? Because he's the father of lies. He is incapable of speaking truth. God said you can do all things. Not me. God did. Not your parents. God did. Not your pastor. 
God did. All because of the greater than truth. Amen. It's time to embrace greater than. Let's all stand. Holy Spirit, I know you're in this house. You've been here from the first moment the musicians struck the instruments. From the first moment we began to verbalize our praise to you in the worship segment. From every note, from every drum, from every vocal line, you have been here and your presence has increased. So I thank you this word was heard. This word has been planted into the resources of the hearts and men of those here and those worshiping and watching this online. So Holy Spirit, take your word, cause it to germinate, cause it to grow, cause it to cultivate and every life in this place and every life that hears this message. It's time for the church, God's people, to step into greater than. In Jesus' name, you've heard this prayer. I thank you. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To receive new audio messages every week, subscribe and rate us now on iTunes. Visit our website at clmin.org to register and learn more about Craig Lauderback Ministries and Dr. Craig Lauderback.